We are unwrapping the gifts of Christmas this Advent season, and we're just so glad you're here to join us with us, especially this morning as we all blew into the church. Amen? But we do uh, welcome you here. would remind you that we do have a devotional guide for you in the bulletin we provide it each and every week. It's a way to continue to live with the messages uh, each Sunday. You can use it personally or with a group or both. And again, it's a way to enrich yourself spiritually and as you grow in your faith. Uh, My text of scripture this morning comes from the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke, verses 8 through 20. And you know what? As often as I have read this, and I have read it many, many times over the years at Christmas and the Advent season, it always strikes my heart. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. May the Lord add his blessing upon this reading of his holy word. Help us to hear it and understand it, believe it, and then live in response to it. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for the gift of, oh, this story of Christmas, of your light in our darkness. And oh, Lord, how we need it. As we light the candles, we are reminded once again that we need your light in the midst of the darkness. We need your light to overshadow and overcome everything. And now, Lord, you have given to me the amazing privilege and responsibility of preaching your word to these, my friends and your servants, Lord, a task. Oh, I always need your strength in order to do, Lord. So please, I beg you, speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us do receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. How many of you are country music fans out there? Some of you? I like some of those stuff. I'm I'm more of a hard rock guy, but I like some country music. And if you like country music, you probably know the name Travis Tritt. He's been around for a while. And like many country music stars, he spent his early years playing all these awful, out-of-the-way beer joints, okay, before he made it big. And as Tritt describes it, some of these places were very dangerous with fights breaking out all the time. But Tritt had a unique way of keeping the peace. Whenever something got out of hand, they got too rowdy in the bar, he would always play Silent Night and would calm them all down. He said it was amazing. 
Whenever I saw someone grabbing for the pool cue or someone grabbing for a gun, I would begin to sing Silent Night and they would all stop. He said it was hilarious. These big, strong men would just stop and some of them would cry. It always worked. Silent Night. You know, Christmas is powerful. It has a way of opening up the the hardest of hearts. The, The most cynical people can be opened up by Christmas. And why is that? Because at Christmas, we celebrate that God comes searching for us. Christmas means that God puts skin on to show us how much He loves us. And there is nothing more powerful in this world than that very love. So this morning, I want us to get back to the very power of Christmas and the joy it comes to bring to us. I want us to look beyond the tinsel and the wrapping and all the lights and all the pretense of this season and get back to the true joy of Christmas and have our hearts changed. And how do we do that? You know, each year we talk about the joy of Christmas and the joy it comes to bring, yet sometimes we don't experience that joy. So the overriding question this morning is, Charlie, how do we find that joy? Well, I believe with all my heart that the answer to finding that joy comes from the passage of Scripture I just read to you in Luke chapter 2. Yes, the key in finding that joy are the shepherds. The very shepherds of the story. Which is very ironic and surprising. Because when you think about it, When God was thinking about how to share the greatest news in the world through his angels, he didn't share it through politicians. He didn't share it to world leaders or religious leaders or educators. He decided, he chose to share that news with the riffraff in society. Shepherds. Now I know most depictions of the shepherds in the Christmas story make them appear very dignified. There is a glow emanating from them, but nothing could be further from the truth. If you lived during the time of Jesus, you probably would have smelled a stench emanating from them. Shepherds were the lowest in society. They were considered outcasts and misfits. They hardly ever bathed. were considered untrustworthy. Religious people of the day saw them as unclean, ceremonially unclean, and they couldn't take part in the ceremonies of the religious day. Yet God chose to reveal his message to the very shepherds. And why is that? Well, we all know one of the reasons is Jesus had an affinity and a love for the marginalized, for the oppressed, to those on the outside. But more than that, I truly believe God chose to reveal his message to the shepherds because they were most receptive to the message. They had nothing to prove. They had no reputation to protect. They weren't afraid of being called crazy more than anyone. They were open to the impossible. That God, God Almighty, was being born among them. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to break down what the shepherds possessed that made them so receptive to the message of Christmas. And I believe with all my heart this very thing. If you will learn these lessons today that I'm about to share with you, you can experience the joy of Christmas. Because one of the things the shepherds possessed that made them so receptive to the message of Christmas is that they had ears to hear. They had ears to hear. 
Now, the, the shepherds, they heard the angels singing. But, you know, not everyone heard it. You know, everyone could have heard it. You can imagine that amazing sound that came from the angels of heaven. Can you imagine that choir? But only the shepherds heard it according to scriptures. And why is that? Because the shepherds were far enough away from the bustle and the noise of the city to hear the sacred sounds of God. That's why they could hear it. And you know what? I've learned we don't hear very well. We don't hear this well. Because I don't know if you figured it out, we live in a very noisy world. Just stop sometime during your day and listen to all the noise that is around us. And the very sad thing is, all that noise drowns out the sacred sounds of Almighty God. Because folks, one of the things I've learned about God is He will not compete with noise. So in order for us to hear from God, we need to find the silence that the shepherds found. Now, did you know there is a little mechanism in our brain stem that filters out all the thoughts in our mind? It, it really does. I mean, we have so much stimuli around us, we have to have a filter in our brain stem. And it filters things based upon what we think is most important. Now, I know a lot of you wives have always known that filter exists in your husbands. Amen? You call it selective listening. But here's the interesting thing about that filter. When, only three things usually get through that filter. Things that are unique, things that we value, and things that threaten us. So the truth is, if we're going to receive and experience the joy of Christmas, we have to reprioritize what we value. Now that great preacher James Moore Loves to talk about a particular Christmas in his life when his sister was gathering together with him and the rest of the family, bringing her month-old child. And everybody was so excited to see this baby, just to love on this baby and to hold this baby. And so his sister showed up, and shortly after she arrived, she put the pack and play in the back bedroom and put the baby to sleep. Because that baby, well, was tired after a long day of travel. And so the, the family then gathered in the dining room and they had dinner. Then they exchanged gifts. And then everybody went off to do their own thing. Some played video games and some were watching television. Some were visiting. Some were listening to music. When all of a sudden, in the midst of all of that, Moore noticed his sister get up quietly and leave the room. Where was she going? To tend to her baby because she heard it cry. But no one else heard it. Only she did. Isn't that something? In the midst of all the commotion, only his sister heard her baby cry. And why is that? Because she was tuned in to hear that cry. She was listening for that cry. She understood the nuance of that very cry. Her baby was her number one priority. And I tell you this, it's the same thing as the shepherds in the very Christmas story. They were tuned in to hear the message of the angels. They were tuned in to hear the cry of the baby Jesus. Do you hear that well? Are you hearing the sacred sounds of God? Is God getting your attention above all the chaos? Do you hear from God? 
In order to experience the joy of Christmas, like the shepherds, we must have ears to hear. But there's another thing we must have. Like the shepherds, to experience the joy we want for Christmas, we must have eyes to see. Now, after, after the shepherds heard from the angels, the, the text of Scripture says, they said, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place. And they got there, and it wasn't very amazing. It wasn't astonishing. In fact, quite the opposite. There was this baby and a feeding, a smelly feeding trough. That was it. And bands of cloth, yet they were able to see it was the Christ. You know, we don't see that well, do we? I've noticed, I've observed in myself and many others, we don't see that well. We pass by holy events all the time and we just miss them. There are moments when God is trying to get our attention. When God is doing things around us and among us and we simply do not see it. You know, Joseph Turner was a great landscape artist. If you know him, you know he painted these vivid landscapes that were filled with color and imagery. They were so vivid. And one time an art critic approached Turner and said, you know what, your paintings are pretty good, but you know, I've never seen a landscape look like yours. And Turner replied, yeah, but don't you wish you could? Don't you wish you could? And I imagine the, the, the shepherds telling everybody the story of what they had seen. And I imagine there were critics and there were cynics who said, I've never seen anything like that. And I imagine the shepherds saying, yeah, but don't you wish you could? Don't you wish you could see like that? To see what we saw? So often we miss the most important things in life. We just don't see it. You know, the great preacher Fred Craddock talks about a time when a guest stayed over at his house overnight and the guest showed up and Craddock, he got home from work and Craddock, he sat down in his recliner and just read the paper and he watched as this guest got on the floor with his kids and started playing games. And Craddock's looking at these kids and thinking to himself, I can't remember the last time I got on the floor with my kids and played with them. Later, they had dinner. It was a delicious dinner. And after the dinner, that guest, he stood up from the table and said, Mrs. Craddock, that was the best meal I've had in years. You're a great cook. And Craddock thought to himself, I can't remember the last time I told my wife she was a great cook. I think it was back in 1949. And he was convicted by that guest. Well, then that guest went for a walk. Craddock said, and he showed back home at their house, and he said, your next-door neighbors are the sweetest people. Mr. Young and his family, they're wonderful. And Craddock said, yeah, I heard we had neighbors next door, but I haven't met them. And Craddock said he was convicted by what he said. Craddock said, it's the same thing, the same routine, over and over again. I go to work, and I come home, and I read the paper, and I eat dinner, and I go to sleep every day. But then this stranger appears, and then everything looks different. And I say to myself, where in the world have I been? What are you missing? What are you not seeing that God is trying to show you? To experience the joy of Christmas, we must have eyes to see. But there is another thing we must have, like the shepherds. Like the shepherds, we must have hearts to believe. The shepherds, they had hearts to believe. 
Now, this is probably my favorite part of the story. In the passage, the shepherds are so excited about what they've seen. They've seen the very Christ child, and they're so excited. They begin to believe in their hearts so much, they begin to share with everybody, it says. The text says they shared it with everyone, all that had been told them, and everything they had seen. In fact, the text says this in verses 17, beginning with verse 17. When they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The Christmas story teaches us to believe that with God all things are possible. Like the shepherds. The story teaches us to open our hearts to the possibilities that God has for our lives and to the joy He wants to bring to us and to push aside the cynicism, to push aside the bitterness of our lives. Because remember, the angel said to Mary, with God all things are possible. Do you believe that this morning? I know it's early. It's the early service. It's the warm-up service, amen. But do you believe it? Now, Joey, age eight, eight-year-old Joey, he had a hard time believing it, believing in the impossible. It was a couple days before Christmas, and he was walking around the neighborhood, and he looked really sad. And Tommy, his older friend, maybe he was about 10 years old, Tommy, Tommy was an optimist. And Tommy said to Joey, Joey, why are you so sad? And Joey said, well, I want a puppy for Christmas, but my parents said no. And the hopeful, believing Tommy said, well, Joey, it's okay. You just need to use the right strategy. And Joey said, strategy? What does that mean? Tommy said, it's real simple. Do you really want a puppy for Christmas? Joey said, yeah, yeah, I do. All you have to do, Joey, is ask your parents for a twin or a little brother. A couple days later, Tommy saw Joey with a little puppy in his arms walking the neighborhood. You know, sometimes I think we get it all wrong. We go about it all wrong. We go about our lives with shut hearts. You know, something bad happened in our lives. Something traumatic. And and we've never been able to get over it. And so our whole lives are spent with shut up hearts. Hearts that are just shut over the possibilities of God and the joy that God wants to bring to our lives and the joy that God wants to bring to us. You know, someone once said that if you don't have Christmas in your heart, you'll never find it under a tree. Because I'll tell you this, church, Christmas is not so much about opening presents as it is opening our hearts to the possibilities and the joy of Almighty God. Why do we think Grinch And Scrooge are key characters at Christmas. Every single year. Those key characters. And there was a season when all Paul wanted to watch was the Grinch. How the Grinch stole Christmas. Even in July, he wanted to watch that story. Over and over. Every night. Every night. But why are they key characters? Because there is a Grinch and Scrooge in all of us. If we're honest. All of us are bitter. All of us have a tendency to be cynical and to be hardened. And the truth is, we weren't always like that. There was a time as children 
when we were open to all the possibilities, the wonder of Christmas and the wonder of life. I tell you, my son Paul is the greatest gift to me and my wife Brandy because he teaches me every day not to lose that wonder and that belief and that hope. But you know, something terrible happens to us. We've all experienced it. We all know it. Something happens to our wonder We all become, and this is a very awful word. I'm sorry I'm going to say it. We become adults. And we lose that wonder. We lose that hope. And we stop believing. Is that where you are today? Oh, you go through the motions and you'll you'll come to church and you'll do everything that is expected, but maybe in your heart you just... You really don't believe. It's hard for you to believe. Well, Christmas can change that. You know, Walter, Connecticut, uh, heads up a prison ministry, or used to. And he took a a group of, of young people to lead a worship service in a prison. And before the service, they just handed out toiletries to the prisoners, to the inmates. They went from cell to cell to cell, just handing out toiletries. And in the midst of all that, there was a particular prisoner, an angry prisoner, who was cussing up a storm and yelling and screaming. And one of the things he said was, you tell me one thing that Jesus can do for my life. Well, Connecticut, he was nervous about his young adults, and they seemed really scared. But then he said he noticed something amazing. He watched as one of his young adults approached that particular inmate and rolled up his sleeve and said to the inmate, you see those scars there? Do you know those scars and where I got them? The prisoner didn't respond because he knew it was from shooting up heroin. And then he put his sleeve down and buttoned it and said to the prisoner, Jesus, save me from a prison cell like yours. And from an addiction that was going to kill me. And he could do the same for you. Someone once said that God raises us up by meeting us at the bottom. I believe that. And I don't know how dark your life may be right now. How difficult Your life may be right now, how low you may feel right now. But one thing I do know, there is no place so dark or so low that God cannot meet you where you are and raise you up. If that's not the Christmas story, I don't know what is. At Christmas, God comes low to the darkest places and raises us up and brings us joy. And we can have that joy if we will take the hand of Jesus and just believe. Now, no, no, maybe some of you are thinking, well, Charlie, what does that mean? You preachers talk about believe and believe and have faith and trust and believe. What does all that mean? Well, in Scripture, the word belief, believe, oftentimes, literally means this. To put your whole weight upon. To lean your whole weight upon. Some of you have been carrying that weight for too long. It's time to lean that weight into Jesus Christ. 
And I promise you, He will bring joy to your hearts and will change your hearts. I mean, it happened to Scrooge and the Grinch, right? I mean, we know how the story ends for the Grinch, don't we? His heart was changed. I mean, we would know. It says, and the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And then the true meaning of Christmas came through, and the Grinch found the strength of ten Grinches plus two. Christmas does mean more. Much, much more. And Jesus can bring joy to your hearts. He can give you ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to believe. Just lean your whole weight upon him. It's time for you to have a truly merry Christmas. Let's pray. Oh Lord, bring us back to the true joy of you in this season. Oh Lord, forgive us of our cynicism and our bitterness. Forgive us for not believing. Oh, may the shepherds inspire us. Lord, give us their hearts and their eyes and their ears. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning as we continue ever closer to the birth of our Savior. Receive this benediction. And I may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God our Heavenly Father abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you both now and forevermore. Amen.